it's time for Dodger Hi and welcome to the Dodging Sleep podcast. My name is Ian Carlson. I hope you're having a very pleasant day wherever and whenever you're listening. It's currently 8pm in the UK on the 25th of April. On this day in Dodgers history, in 1958, the Dodgers beat the Cardinals 5-2 at the LA Coliseum, setting the then National League record for the largest crowd to attend a regular season night game of 60,635. Joining me today, and we're all living up to the name of the podcast, as by common consent, we're all knackered. Um, we'll do a quick introduction to our um, young Ian, Ian Bleas, or Bleasy. How's it going, mate? Is it true that you know that fact because you were at that game? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It took, it took me a couple of hours to get out of the car park. It was so packed. <laughs> uh, and we've also got uh, Adam Legg. How are you doing, Adam? I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. And a quick shout out to Leon, who's running our production suite today, taking care of all the recording, editing and post-production trickery. Um, On this week's podcast, we are going to have a review of last week's games. We're going to discuss the biggest surprise so far uh, across all of baseball this season. Uh, Touch on the European Super League. We will revisit the uh, wonderful subject of Angry Kenley and the subject of Closer. And then we'll have a bit of a chat about predictions for the week ahead. So, starting with review of last week, and if my maths is correct, uh, our record was two and four with uh, a loss at the start of the week to the Padres last Sunday when we were, I guess, just before we recorded this. Then we lost to the Mariners, beat the Mariners, a couple of losses to those noisy neighbours, and then we beat them last night. So, Ian, do you want to start? What, what's your thoughts on the, on the week just gone? Yeah, I'm definitely not uh, overly concerned. We are talking about a um, we're talking about a week quite early in the season. We've had a few, we've had quite a few absences from the team at the moment, uh, quite a few injuries. Uh, I think uh, we've had certain players uh, who've been doing incredibly well, uh, who have had quieter weeks. You know, probably tired of carrying the team a little bit. Um, you know, the likes of uh, the likes of Corey Seager obviously started really hot. He's gone a little bit quieter. Really good to see him um, get the uh, get a hit last night at, at an important moment to give us the lead. Um, I think, um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really not overly worried. We're not taking risks. If people pick up knocks, we're benching them. Whereas other teams are already uh, keeping players with knocks in the lineup. And, uh, you know, I think it's good to see the likes of uh, Sheldon Noisy uh, coming through into the team. Um, uh Getting a run of games, um, Luke Rayleigh, he's he's changed his number, I think, uh, last night. So it looks like he might we might be expecting to see to see more of him. I think he's got uh, number thirty-seven now, and he had I think sixty-seven beforehand. Um, so I'm definitely not in in, in any form of uh, in any form of panic mode. Uh, I think we saw the bats go fairly quiet uh, over three games before last night. They only got twelve hits, uh, and then last night they got twelve hits in one game. So it seems like that they're, they're they're breaking out from that. So um, yeah, ultimately we're still sitting fifteen and six, four games ahead of the Padres, um, who are not second in our division. Um, 
<laughs> two games ahead of uh, two games ahead of the Giants, uh, and yeah, you know we're, we're going to have weeks where we we're going to have weeks where where we don't win all but one game. It's just going to be something that happens, unfortunately. Absolutely, as as with all sport, Adam, what, what's your take on the week just gone? Uh, yeah, like, like Ian said, nothing to worry about really. Um, there's a lot of of AAA players in the lineup, so it's not end of the world if you're not winning games. I mean, pitching has still been reasonably good. It's just the bats have been a bit quiet. Yeah, and it's. I think as we discussed a few weeks ago when we were, you know, you, you can always when you're in the position we're in, it's always nice you can always pick out the the, the problems because you're still doing well. So you know, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about we were getting plenty of people on base and not converting them, and you know, I think we're I think you're right. We're still we're in a great position in that we've we've had injuries and we're still you know we're taking the opportunity to bring new people in rather than. As you, as you say, and keep keep people going even with knocks. So it's, we I think the very first podcast we talked about our depth for the for the season ahead, and and that's that's coming through. Any do we need to get concerned about any of the injuries yet? Do you think anyone? It's hard to say, isn't it? I mean, um, I think Knable's injury did, did not look good the other night. Um, you know, whenever whenever something like that happens. Uh, you usually expect that they'll be missing for uh, for some time. Um, that's probably the, the the only long-term injury. They just seem to be uh, taking their time with the others and making sure that they come back. You know, they've, they've not rushed. They've not rushed Bellinger back. Um, you know, I've, I've got him on Instagram. He, he, he appears to be quite comfortable. You know, <laughs> enjoying his life. Um, but um, yeah, they're not rushing. They're not rushing him back. Uh, we've started to see some of the early injuries coming back in again. Um, so I'm not overly concerned about about any of them at, at this stage. Probably with the exception of Knabel, who I think we're going to be missing for for quite some time. Yeah, I think the quote is going to be out for for several months. That was that was on the website earlier today. I think so. Um, yeah, we wish him a speedy recovery. Um, well, let's hope for the week ahead we get a slightly different set of record and we'll come on to that at the end of the pod. So um, I know it's very early days, but biggest surprise so far from across the world of baseball. Um, Adam, what's your, what are your thoughts? What's what's really struck, caught, caught your eye so far? Um, I think the biggest surprise so far for me has been um, Boston, who I did not have top of the, the AL East that's one that's come from nowhere. It's a big shock for me. Um, and and then Cleveland as well, uh, the Central Division, um, that seems to be a little bit all over the place as well. A couple of uh, weird positioning. I, I thought Kansas would be pretty good this year, but I didn't see them, them topping it at this point in the season, especially over the White Sox, who loads of people have, have put down as uh, World Series contenders. So... Yeah, that's a bit of a bit of a shock over there. How about you, Ian? I mean, incredibly small sample size. We've, you know, we have to we have to stress. But um, I, I, don't, I don't know whether I'm, you know, I'm a Dodgers fan, so you know, it's hard to be hard to be pleased about something like this. But the NL the NL West is so obviously a two horse race, right? It's between the Dodgers and the Padres, right? You know, that that's what everyone is saying. And the Giants are sitting, sitting between us on 13 wins. 
eight losses at this stage. Um, I, I don't think they've got the depth to, you know, to keep up to keep up that. And I think it's, um, I think their bullpen has been pretty good from what I've seen. I've actually got uh, former Dodger Jake McGee in my fantasy team, and he's certainly picked up a few saves uh, already. But yeah, I mean, the, the Giants are doing doing it really well, um, a lot better than I expected. I kind of thought they'd just be fodder for the others and and down there with the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. But it seems like they might cling on a little longer um, and uh, and make some noise. And we know they've got some prospects that they that they're likely to bring in uh, as the season progresses as well. So 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 they might they might get better. We'll see. Yeah, I mean you're you're right. It's uh, it is a small small sample size, but um, it wouldn't be sport without overreactions far too early on after a single game or a single inning or a, a single hit. But um, but yeah, you're right. It, the, the Giants do stand out as as performing to an unexpectedly high standard at such an early stage. Um, for me, it was it was the Yankees because I was just you know there was again and a lot of people at the start of the season were you know were tipping them to to do extremely well and I know it is only sort of 20 games in but to be 9 in 11 and they've only got to 9 in 11 because they've won the last three against the Indians um and um having been swept by the Rays as well um yeah that that and I I don't th- I mean they've, they've got a couple of injuries but I certainly don't think they're as ravaged as they were a year or so ago so um yeah that that for me s- stood out as a kind of a a, a bit of sort of an eyebrows raising moment as to what's going on there, but um, Ian, yeah, I think um, one one we've one we've missed is that the the Oakland A's actually um, they they started the year. I'm pretty sure they started the year one and seven. Yeah, they they, they were looking so bad. Um, I think they picked up uh, picked up a win against us, uh, and they have been rolling ever since. They've they've won thirteen in a 13. row. Um, and they are top of the AL West, uh, fourteen and seven, one game ahead of uh, the uh, one game ahead of the Mariners. Um, you know, I think everyone has a soft spot for Oakland. Everyone's seen Moneyball. Um, uh, everyone, everyone kind of likes to see the you know the the guys with no money do well. And uh, and and yeah, I think we we we'd be remiss not to mention that mm. thirteen game win streak and you know just just how far can it go. It's funny. I only I only re rewatched Moneyball just yesterday. So yeah, I did when I was looking down the, the stats. Think well, here we go again. I'm not quite sure. What, I've not I've not seen their fixtures for the next week or so. I don't know whether they've got a, a, a any kind of a prospect of of matching their previous streak. Uh, it looks like they're playing Baltimore uh, at the minute. So so yes. got a chance to extend it. I would have thought. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Excellent. So a few surprises, and I'm sure there'll be plenty more, um, plenty more to um, to go over the course of the next few weeks and months of the season. Um, right, as we are UK based, and there's a little sport over here known as uh, football or soccer, um, and there's been a little bit of controversy in the press over the last few days that even our friends over the pond might have spotted about this thing called the European Super League. So we were just kicking around for subjects for today. And we thought, what if, you know, what if, um, what if we had Major League Baseball teams owned by UK billionaires? And what if they tried to create a new MLB league in the US 
with no salary cap, introducing promotion and relegation or no minor league teams affiliated with the big leagues. You know, what if what if you took a load of UK owners over there, a bit like we've had US owners coming over here, not really understanding the sport and hoping to make a load of money? Um, you know, what exactly what kind of a mess could we actually cause? Um, could it ever even get close to getting off the ground? Just, just spitballing for a few moments, I suppose. Um, Ian, any thoughts on what kind of chaos we could see from something like that? Well, I can see, uh, I can see uh, Richard Branson, I can see, going over there. And obviously, really, obviously, he would have the Branson pickles as his team. Um, <laughs> but, I mean... It, I mean, you've seen a few a few sort of things with NFL in the past where you've seen uh, Vince McMahon come up with the XFL um, to try and rival the, the NFL, uh, changing a few rules and uh, trying to make it more interesting and take and take uh, take viewers away. Um, what, I don't know what I mean, I don't know what they do. Would they have added time multiball? Um, you know, like how, how would they? How would they? How would they really ruin? I mean, to put a British twist on it, I'm, you know, I've been. I was trying to think, like, how, what would they do? Instead of the seventh inning stretch, they break for tea. Then it becomes rather like cricket, doesn't it? So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm not. I'm not too sure about the. Uh, not too sure about the premise of, of of UK UK billionaires getting involved in uh, in in any form of baseball. I don't think they'd get it. I don't. You know. <laughs> no, I think I think I think we've probably had it demonstrated it all too clearly this week that if you don't get a sport by all means stick some money in and try and get some money out but don't try and change it because you don't really understand much about it adam what about your thoughts yeah like, uh, yeah i can't i couldn't ever see it taken off because they just don't seem to understand promotion and relegation which is i i forever have never understood promotion why they don't do it because it just adds a little bit of jeopardy into a season which I'm currently undergoing at the minute and it's not fun, but it's nice. It's nice. That little bit of relegation dogfight at the end of the season. It's very rare to have a boring or meaningless game, isn't it? You know, right yeah. to the end, there's somebody fighting for something somewhere, mm. which just keeps, it keeps everybody interested or depressed or excited or whatever mm. it might be. Especially if you're playing 162 games as well and you're bad. Uh, it just, Makes it a bit more interesting towards the end of the season, doesn't it? When you, Absolutely. When you're trying to fight wonder, for your 30th win of the season, it's. <laughs> I wonder if they'll go down the route of uh, if they, if they, whether they go down the route of you know points for a win, um, run difference, tied games, uh, you know, <laughs> really, really ruin, really ruin it. <laughs> oh yeah, tie game. <sighs> yeah, people don't quite get that concept, especially when when you look at cricket, how you can play a, a match for five five days and still end up with no result at the end but enough of the sort of the the, the doomed european super league I'm, I'm pleased to say there's another potentially far more positive european super league on the horizon this time to do with the sport that we all love which is which is baseball and, and and ian you were chatting a little bit about that before we came on air about the the, the potential to get something up and running do we know a great deal more at this stage about it it's still very much um it's still very much a mystery. Um, what we what we do know is the they, they, they announced a team that was originally going to be called the the Knights, um, and they were uh, they were originally going to play out of Bath, uh, which would make them the Bath Knights. So when I was a kid, Bath Night was a Tuesday, 
Um, so I, 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 I'm, I'm quite glad that they've made the decision to, to move to, to Brighton, it seems. Um, we know that Craig Savage, uh, who used to be... Um, he, he's a big name in the domestic game in this country. He used to run the Brighton Buccaneers uh, when they were really successful um, in the late 90s, early noughties. Uh, they were winning the league. And actually, to this, to this day... Um, Pavilion Field. Um, Pavilion Fields uh, is still standing um, uh, down in Brighton, which is something that uh, he oversaw. Um, it, it was very much something that someone like him at the helm of actually gives it a bit of validity. Um, and I'm not entirely sure what his role is going to be, but if he's involved, then they've they've probably got a product that he believes works. Um, so I'm willing to give it a bit more of a, a bit more of an airing, a bit more of a, a bit more of a chance to, um, to see what happens, see what happens with it all. But yeah, they're looking at teams basically playing all across Europe. Uh, they've actually started to draft players already, mainly out of um, form, former AAA, AA players. Um, to this day, we, we don't know exactly where teams are going to play we know brighton for, for the uk team um but we don't know exactly what stadium they're going to have um so there's there's so much more to come out about this we don't know when it's going to start uh, i i can't see it starting during a pandemic when it involves you know uh, travel across europe um for for what will still be a minority sport even if it is a professional league that gets started uh, so i think it'll probably start next year or maybe they'll get a few exhibitions going or a, or a tournament going later later in later in the season but it is positive you know um because professional baseball in the uk it's something to this point we've only mm. ever dreamt about and it would be it would be great to see and although it's although it's brighton and brighton's probably a five-hour drive six-hour drive from where i am um if if there was a professional baseball team played out of brighton then I would go and watch a watch a few games for sure. It'd be it'd be exciting to watch, and I'm sure I'm sure I'm not alone in that. Do you think they're looking? Do you think they're trying to learn from what the NFL did all those years ago when it, I guess it was testing the international market? And obviously there was the, the European League with the London Monarchs and teams out in Frankfurt and all the rest of it. And and it all right that league folded but it, it certainly sort of drummed up support for the for the sport across Europe. And of course, now you've got to the point with the NFL with teams coming and playing regular fixtures over here most years and, and, it, and, and clearly it's taken off. It, it, you think they've sort of, they've seen how that worked. And obviously we had, we had the Yankees Red Sox over here for, for, for the, for the London games a couple of years ago that, that they're just basically following on, but maybe 15 years behind. So NFL Europe was obviously, uh, that was actually um, an, an NFL-run uh, enterprise, whereas this is entirely independent, from what I understand. Um, so I don't think that it's that it's following that blueprint exactly, but potentially they have seen the interest in the game. Uh, I mean, all across Europe, baseball is is much bigger than it is in the UK. Uh, you know, you, you can quite easily find. Um, good quality diamonds in the likes of Spain. Uh, it's really big in Holland, Germany, uh, Italy as well, uh, and down in the Czech Republic. It, you know, it, it's it's a much 
bigger. It's, it's a much bigger sport ac- uh, across the continent than it is here. So I think they've probably seen that there is potential for it. And I think, you know, Britain is a big economy that they want to have mm. a part of this, of this league. Uh, we have seen spikes in minority sports, um, you know, the likes of um, ice hockey a few years ago when the Manchester Storm had a ton of investment and they were playing in the MEN arena. Um, you know, people were, people were traveling from all over the, from all over the country to come and, to come and watch an ice hockey game. So I don't see any reason why the same can't happen for baseball, but hopefully with a bit more sustainability. Manchester Storm yeah. is still going, but they play out of Altrincham and they usually play in front of about 25 people. I don't know. Maybe that's unfair. I've never been to a game. <laughs> Adam, I don't know how long it would take to get from, from Derby down to Brighton, but would you be up for a trip down to watch a, a professional team in the UK? Yeah, I, I definitely would be up for it. I mean, Brighton, I mean, I, I know nothing about British baseball at all. I played four games, I think, last year, which were mainly friendlies. So I know nothing about it. But Brighton just seemed like a bit of a an odd place. I don't know why it wasn't more central. But I mean, if there's facilities down there, that's pretty cool. But I would definitely go and watch like a, a UK space side. I feel like at some point in the future we might be taking the podcast on the on the road and recording an episode from the side of a side of a game with the, with the crowd in the background. How about that? Um, well, if anybody uh, involved in the um, in the proposed Super League is listening and and. And, and would like to share more information, we're very happy to give it more of a plug on a, on a future podcast. Um, right. Angry Kenley, subject of closer, which I suspect we are going to touch on more than a few times over the course of the season. Um, and particularly in the light of some of the injuries to Dodgers pitching and whether we're going to end up having to see Kenley out more often than we perhaps w- w- would like. Um, Adam, any thoughts on on what you've seen of Kenley over the last last few days? He's got his ERA down at one point nine three, I think it is, which is is you know we take that for the year, I'm sure. Yeah, we definitely was. I, I thought he pitched really well again last night, um, or this morning, whenever it was. Uh, yeah, I, I thought he was. Good. He came in for a four out save, was it? And yeah, he looked. He looked I think he was getting better every pitch in that in that stint. So. If he continues like this, I don't think we'll have many complaints about him. Hopefully, we won't have to talk about him every week. That'd be nice. Absolutely. Ian, any thoughts? I love talking about Kenley. So, you know, uh, he's my my pick for the NL saves leader, don't forget. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, he, uh, I think Adam says it pretty well there when he says he was getting, he seemed to be getting better with every pitch. Um, he, he came in, he was throwing, uh, you know, 91, 92. And then towards uh, uh, as the uh, inning progressed, or, or as he uh, as, as he faced more hitters, um, he was he was picking up that velocity again. And I think he was up up to, up to around 94, 95 by the time uh, by the time it was over. Uh, he seems to have made a decision to miss more bats. Um, you know, everyone talks a lot about his soft contact and uh, and the fact that you know teams don't hit him very hard they just seem to get on base and get lucky um and i think he's decided he's sick of that and he's just decided to to, to work harder at, at getting more strikeouts and uh and it seems to be working to, to this point I'm, I'm a big fan of kenley i think he looks ferocious on the mound at the moment you know he's uh he just seems to be staring hitters down and obviously when you when you're kenley's size and you're throwing 94 you you, you the step that you take 
brings you that much closer that it probably simulates more like 98, 99 with cut. And, you know, that's, that's, that's tough to hit, you know, for, 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 for the best hitters in the game. There's no doubt about it. I, I still think he's, I, st- I still think that arrested Kenley is an elite closer. And I'm really enjoying watching him at the moment, you know, uh, I mean, he's not as routine as some of the other closers who are doing well at the moment. We saw Melanson come in um, a couple of nights ago and he just, you know, you know, Melanson just kind of, we never looked like we were getting on base against him. Uh, whereas with Kenley, you've always got that, that, that wildness, that, mm. that excitement. Um, and um I quite like it, you know. There's nothing wrong with the closer loading the bases as long as he uh, as long as he gets the outs. And we always know that if if a runner gets on against him, which is why I, you know that they're probably not going to use Kenley in extras too often because when the runner starts on on second, because he doesn't hold the runners very well, but but he does everything else excellently, and I'm very happy to see him to see him doing well. Um, really, really happy. Yeah, he seems I, to. I, Sorry, go on, Adam. Yeah, go on, Adam. Yeah, I, it, it never felt stressful last night, which was, I think, the first time it's not been particularly stressful when he's he's, he's walked onto the mound in the last couple of weeks. He just came on, and last night I was like, yeah, I've, there's no doubt in my mind he was going to get the save last night. It, it feels different in the space of a week. Whereas a week ago, I was he, he was coming out, and you were like, oh, is he going to walk someone? Is he not? And now he's just coming out and I'm like, he's just going to go. He's just getting those balls down hard, which you can't complain. He seems to be on top on the mental side of things as well as the physical side. He seems to be really switched on. And, and you're right. It is, as long as you stay away from Dodgers Twitter when he comes out to the mound, um, it, it does feel sitting watching it. A, a different proposition to how it has been in the recent past and you, yeah you you're back to this sort of a few years ago sort of phase of of seeing him come out and and being grateful for seeing him and feeling very confident that he's going to do the job he's there for um you know you start thinking yeah this is going to be a win because he's coming in to save it rather than oh my god it's kenley again so um yeah i think it'd be lovely to um to one, well, one that if he if he hits your prediction and is the is the save leader, but also that we don't have to talk about him because it's just become a, become a non-issue. That would be that'd be pretty cool. So um, the week ahead. Now we don't normally talk about the Sunday game because obviously we're recording it now, and by the time you get to listen to it, it would have already happened. But tonight we got May starting against uh, the Padres. But then looking further ahead, we got three games against the Reds, and then four games at the Brewers, which could make for quite an interesting end to the week. Um, Adam, any thoughts on the week ahead? Quite looking forward to it because it's it's teams that we've not faced for forever. Apart from the Brewers, we played them last year, but I've not seen the Reds in a long time. And it just I just saw that I keep reading about the Reds and they just seem to be hitting Homer after Homer. So that'll be quite interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I've not seen any of them this year. So it'd be nice to see a new team, definitely. Yeah. Ian, how about you? Yeah, I think um, the Reds, uh, yeah, they're an exciting team at the moment. They they weren't really expected to, to do a great deal, I don't think, this year. But they've... Uh, you know, they're making it interesting. I think um, I, w- I was just doing, I was just counting ahead to see if Bauer uh, would would face them, and I don't think he will. 
I think he, I think he'll miss them. I think he'll be he'll be starting one of the one of the first games against Milwaukee because um, I think that would have been would have been an interesting one um, to have Bauer go against his old team. Yes. No, I think I think you're right because if it's uh, they're playing them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and he was playing last night Saturday, so yeah, I think you I think you're right. He'll miss them by one. Yeah, um, the Brewers. You know, you've always got the uh, you've always got the the Yelich factor um, with with the Brewers. You, 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 a few, I think that you know they're not as good as they were a couple of years ago, um, but they're they're never an easy team to beat, and they're, they're a team that we always seem to. Uh, have good games against so I I mean I think the other thing is is that um, we've not got a we've not got a day off um, for a while um, I think we're not off until May the 6th now um, so we've got uh, and we're already carrying a few injuries and mm. um, so you know I think it, I'd like to get us it might seem really unambitious but I'd like us to get through the next couple of weeks you know maintaining our uh, maintaining our existing uh, uh, gap I suppose but probably by winning as many games as we lose at this stage and maybe that's really unambitious but I think that's kind of what kind of what I'm looking at there because I think ordinarily you'd look at the Reds and the Brewers and you'd say right well we're gonna we're gonna go and we're gonna win the vast majority of these um, but I think the way things have gone in the last uh, in in the last week, uh, and with the injuries that we've that we've picked up, I think we're probably going to lose a few more than we might usually would. Yeah, I think you. I mean, I think I think you might be right, and I think you know we don't necessarily want to be overly greedy, particularly with injuries. Um, I think I think with our team and with the the depth that we've got, I think I would despite my sort of generally pessimistic stance when it comes to teams I support, I think once we get people back, you'd look at it and say, we're going to go on a run. And it's probably not going to matter who we play during that period. We're going to go on a run where we're winning a shed load of games. And therefore, if we if we end up losing more than would be ideal at the moment while we've got a load of people out and we're going along, along a slog without a break, then then you kind of, it is what it is. Um, certainly, yeah, looking at looking at the week ahead, I think, I would have thought we, should, you know, we should we should win at least two against the Reds. Ordinarily, you're right. I think you'd look at it and go, "Well, we're going to sweep them." But with people out and and a bit of travel and back to back, maybe we lose one. Um, I think I'd be happy with a split series against the Brewers as well. I think if we if we took two out of those four, um, given where we are at the moment, you'd probably look at it. I mean, they're, they're they're having a pretty good season. They've had a couple of early games on in terms of UK time, so I've seen a couple of them on on TV, and yeah, they're they're they're, they're having another strong, solid season. So, um, you know, to walk in there and split the series, I think, I think I'd take that. As I say, if think, I think if we were at full strength, you'd be looking to sweep the Reds and, and get three from four against the Brewers, probably. Um, certainly, given some of our um, predictions at the start of the season for how many wins we were going to get. Um, but yeah, my certainly my prediction for the for the week ahead, I think I'd go for two against the Reds, two against the Brewers. So. so four wins from the from the week ahead um adam what are your thoughts on on wins and losses for the week i think you're right i think four wins i think that's that's pretty much what i was going to say two against the reds two against milwaukee i think that's a pretty fair sum of the week 
I feel like in, I'm going to have to book. I'm going to have to book the trend because I feel like we can't all say four and three. But <laughs> I mean, I've written down four and three, um, but I'm going to say five and two just to mix it up. Um, even though it goes against what I've just said about um, about how we about how we might struggle, I, don't, I, I I can't bring myself to predict a losing record, so I go one way or the other. So um, I'll, I'll go I'll go five and two. I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be an interesting. Uh, I think it'll be I think it'll be an interesting week, and I think potentially you might see us you might see us playing a bit of a, a bit of small ball. Uh, you might see us um, not doing things the way that we've come you know, we've become used to with the. Uh, with the three-run home run um, as, as the saviour of everything, so um, yeah, yeah I, I, I think if we can get, I mean, there's there's talk that Taylor. I've not not seen a, a a list for today, but there's talk that Taylor might be back today, and that Lux might be back on Monday. I think if those guys start hitting their the the planned return dates, we could find that we get to the middle of the week, and all right, we're still not going to be at full strength, but we're we're starting to look more like the team we would expect to see out there, which would be helpful. Um, so um, yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, Taylor but, did but pitch I, hit last night, so um, he is in the starting lineup today. So he's as well. in the starting lineup. So. Yeah, excellent, excellent. And I do like your mindset that if you don't want to stick with the same predictions as us, you're going to go for more wins rather than more more losses. That's definitely the way to play. Um, next on the list, just really flagging something in case any of our listeners out there would like to either take part in this or, or even chuck a little bit of money in. But the, uh, the Justin Turner Foundation is doing a Turner Trot, a virtual 5K in a few weeks time over the weekend of the 14th and 16th. So the 16th of May, um, I think the 15th, I think is the Saturday. Um, and we've been talking on the, uh, on our sort of chat group that maybe we ought to get a podcast team out to run that. Um, so I think there's a few of us are going to try and get out there, whether we walk it, run it, run for a little bit and then hobble the rest or whatever. But I think we're going to be be out there trying to do that. So if anybody else is interested, um, I think we're shying away from from formally registering on the US site just because of trying to get T-shirts out of the US without paying 10 times the price when they get imported. Um, but but certainly taking part in that, maybe getting a bit on social and um, it's all for a good cause. So anybody listening in and wants to wants to check that out out the, the Justin Turner Foundation website's got all the details on um are we all looking forward to that are we all into our, our training regimes already absolutely I'll not. let Adam go for this one absolutely <laughs> not no uh I'm, I'm actually going to the gym tomorrow night so that will be the start of it I've went on a big long walk today that was a, a warm-up to it but I'll, I'll start running again tomorrow night I think but looking forward to it absolutely not no if I can help it I try to do as little running as possible I got quite into running during the um, uh, during lockdown. So um, I, I, I've always one of those people that I I used to run because I needed to, and I've never ever run enough to actually start to enjoy it. Um, and obviously, there's nothing like a uh, what, what are we are now 13, 14 months of uh, of lockdown um, to actually give you the time to to actually begin to begin to enjoy it. Uh, initially I couldn't run, I couldn't run 5k continuously. Um, it, you know, it was, it wasn't horrendous. I just need to stop after about 3k, have a bit of, have a bit of a blow and then carry on again. Um, and yeah, it, it, towards, towards the end, I, towards the end, I was getting into it more. So I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it. I've, I've, I've recently gone back to work full time. Um, and, uh, and the running is, is somewhat, um, subsided so i so i need to i need i needed a reason to 
to get some motivation uh, back to get out there, get out there on the roads again. But yeah, very much looking forward to um, slapping some Dodger gear on and going for a run. I think we're all going to try and get Strava so that we can uh, so that we can post our times and see how we're doing. Um, yeah. I think Scott, uh, who's obviously not on the call tonight, I think he's probably the man to beat. Although I've no idea how fast you are, Ian. You might be you might be incredibly quick. I have no idea. Well, my my wife and I we did the couch to five k thing a few years ago. Must um, be about say a few years, I guess about ten years ago we got into that, and then we we picked up the um, the park run sort of five k since then, which got stopped as a result of lockdown. But but park run picks up again, hopefully middle of June. So um, I've carried on running through lockdown. So I, I can't say I enjoy running, but um, it, if it's that or sitting at the desk all day long just getting heavier and bigger and, and unhealthier it's, it's it's not great so um you know I've, I've carried on running through lockdown so yeah i'm 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 looking forward to it but i think i think scott is that will definitely be the person to to beat and just as we um just as we helped him out when he missed the first pod and we gave him his prediction of 120 wins for the season i think we can we can probably help him out with this because i'm sure he can probably do 5k in about 14 minutes or something like that i'm guessing that's what he's going to be yeah, heading for no doubt about I'm, it. I'm looking think... for under an hour that'll be much my time I feel like uh, I feel like with uh, with with Scott we could probably handicap him. Not that they do to horses, we make them carry weight. Um, so I think we should uh, I think we should probably you know make him run in a rucksack, uh, weighted down by a few dumbbells, just to just to level the playing field a little bit. I'm sure I'm sure he won't mind that. Well, if it well if it helps anybody, I, I mean I, I started the uh, the pod today with a on this day in history, and I know we're recording it on the 25th, but it will go out on the 26th. So uh, on this day in history, on the 26th of April, Vince Scully actually delivered his um, uh, the commencement address at Pepperdine University, and he used the phrase, uh, "We can't tell you to survive the storms of life." We can tell you to dance in the rain and you can do it. You really can do it. Very difficult, but possible. So we can bear those words in mind as we're, as we're trudging round a 5K with a big grin on our face and dodger gear on our back. Yeah, what I could do with this, you know, where you get like those little motivation things I could do with Vince Scully in my ear, like halfway around to telling me, yeah, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. That's, that's what I need, I think. We'll reach out to him on Twitter. I'm sure he won't mind. I guess he's, well, he's probably just sitting at home now polishing that huge ring that was delivered a few days ago. That was a touch of class from the organisation. I, 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 I love that. I absolutely loved it. I must admit, I only, uh, I only recently found out that um, the rings, you know, weren't a part of the prize. They were something that the that the clubs, you know, the the, the club, the, the ball clubs bought, and they bathed, and they gave them to people that they wanted to give them to. Um, I, I always thought that it was something that the that was like just issued to you know issued as part of the prize. So like uh, a like a winner's medal kind of thing. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what kind of what I thought. Yeah, what, I, kind of what I, what I thought, I it, thought was. it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, absolutely amazing that that Vince Scully got a ring. It's, you know he's had uh, he's had a, a really tough year. Obviously, he's he, he's. You know, unfortunately, he lost his wife. He lost his he lost his long-standing friend Tommy Lasorda. Um, you know, and I think just a gesture like that. And I know those rings cost a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money to to a baseball club like the Los Angeles Dodgers. It really isn't. So for them to make that gesture, I I just thought that was absolutely fantastic. And it's yet another reason that I'm proud to be. Um, 
was going to say associated, you know, but I'm proud to I'm proud to follow this club. I've definitely not associated with them. Uh, they, they probably is this, this not the, is this not the, the is this not the official UK podcast yet? Or are we still working on that? We'll still, we're still working on it. We're still working still for working. that little bit of recognition from him. One day yeah, we'll get but, it. But but you're right. It is a it was a real touch of class when I saw that come through on um, on Twitter. I thought, yeah, that's um, that's definitely the team you want to be supporting doing things like that. Yeah, you know, staying on touches of class. Did anyone see Trevor Bauer's response to um, to Tease's celebrations yesterday? Um, yeah, I, I think, did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, so did so did I, because I think everyone is quite quick to um, criticise Bauer for his, you know, his his like weird sword celebrations that he does, and <laughs> um, you know, and, and one eye closed pitching, and uh, the McGregor strut that he that he throws around, and basically uh, last night the 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 Padres gave him some gave him some stick for it if you like and uh so tatis who um became the first player in history he's quite good isn't he he became the first player in history uh, to hit two home runs on back-to-back days against cy young award winners um but um as he as he was rounding the bases uh he uh he's you know he's celebrated by uh putting his hand over 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 one eye um, uh, and then I think as he crossed home plate, he turned it into a into the into the McGregor strut. It's McGregor, yeah, yeah. And then um, uh, I think at another point in the game, uh, uh, Bauer struck out. I think it was Hosmer, um, and went to the went to the samurai sword celebration. Um, and then a bit later on, uh, uh, Hosmer lined one straight back at Bauer. Um, amazing, it didn't hit him. Um, and he's just lying flat on his back. And Hosmer stood on first base, and he gives him the sword celebration straight back. Um, and he was asked about all this, um, and he just sort of said, "Like, well, yeah." And I give it out. I expect to take it. And if you're going to moan about these things, then you're soft. Um, and you know, I think we all we always come back to uh, the Muncie against Bumgarner. Uh, in you know the go get it out of the ocean mm. um, uh, home run from it from a few years ago because in all honesty Max Muncie did nothing he he hit the ball maybe he didn't run for a split second and then he set off around the bases and and Bumgarner didn't like it and started started giving him a, a, a bit of abuse uh, so Muncie gave him some back and told him to go get the ball out of the ocean and. Um, if you've ever seen any of Madison Bumgarner's home runs, he always pimps them. So it's ridiculous that he decided to pick on Muncie for for perceiving that he was doing something very similar. If you're going to give it out, you've got to take it, and that's what Bauer said. And I think I'm a fan now. I, you know, I was, I was, I was very on the fence about him, I suppose, if any sceptical. I thought he might be bad for the clubhouse. But, you know, I suppose it helps. He's pitched very well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, he's, he's, he's won me round um, so far. I, I, think you, I think you're right. I think if, you, if you're going to give it out, you've got to be able to take it. And I think, but not just take it, 
actually go do what he's done, which is, you know, turn to social media and actually make a thing about, yeah, you know, and, and there's various memes still kicking around now. And I think, I think embrace it. And there's been a lot of talk over the last few years about, you know, how can you, how can, how can the game be reformed to try and get it, increase the interest levels, you know, the pace of the game and starting a runner on second and try and get, get the next generation, the younger generations more involved and more interested. And I think if you try and get rid of all of this kind of, you know, on the pitch banter and type of stuff, I, th- I think as long as it's done sensibly. And I think Bauer actually came out and said, didn't it much better to have that than to be trying to hit somebody, you know, as a pitcher to, to respond by trying to hit them with a pitch. I mean, which does nobody any favors. So I think, I think, this kind of stuff you know if, if if baseball really is trying to increase interest levels and encourage people to get get into the sport this kind of thing is is exactly what it needs you know it, it, you go that the, the, clearly there's a line that can be crossed but I don't think anybody's close to crossing that line yet in this particular series you know you you get up to it you have a bit of fun you know you take the mickey out of them they give it back back and forwards one night you're going to win one night you're going to lose sometimes you're going to take it you know but but get on and um you know the fra- famous phrase let the kids play mm. that's the way it should be played definitely yeah absolutely i mean i think if you think back to obviously we've grown we've all grown up in a in a football playing uh, football or soccer for anyone listening um from america um we, we've all grown up in a football playing country um and uh i think the first time i can remember it um was when jürgen klinsman signed for tottenham and he used to celebrate his goals by um by literally throwing himself on the floor he would dive and he would slide on his on his on his front across the grass now this was this was very much a dig um it was it was a dig in in jest because he was accused of diving a lot um earlier in his career and this was this was his way but i remember as someone who was probably about 12 13 years old at the time um i remember it was a lot easier to recreate the celebrations than it was to recreate the goals. Um, and I think actually seeing the celebrations, it gives the kids something to, to, to get out there, to, you know, to get out there and do. And, you know, if they, uh, if they, you know, manage to jam a, uh, jam a single off the handle uh, through the gap, but then they can celebrate by giving it the dunked on him or the barrels are overrated stuff. You know, um, I, I, I like all that. You know, I, I think it. I think it's good for the game. I think it's. Uh, I think it helps young, young fans uh, relate to it in a way. And I think some of the other stuff that MLB is doing, like having bigger bases. You know, I think if you were to, if you were to survey a group of ten-year-olds, oh hey kids, why why don't you why why don't you watch baseball right now? Uh, I find the bases too small. Isn't probably uh, something high on the on the on the answers that you'll receive um i you know i, I get it it's something you know it's, it's to do with increasing stolen bases it's supposed to also be a safety measure as well in terms of giving uh, having less collisions at, at first base and obviously we've we've got a bellinger out for that type of injury at the moment so um so, so I get what but I think I think MLB are doing a lot of stuff wrong, and I kind of think that actually encouraging a bit of individuality in in the celebrations is probably the right way to go. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the NFL made the mistake a few years ago of you know sort of penalising players for end zone celebrations, and 
and now they've flipped it on its head and 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 now they've got you know screen set up in the end zone to capture the celebrations and and, and all the rest of it and i and i think that's the way to go it is it's the entertainment business as well as the sports business and you're right if you're stuck up in the cheap seats up in the gods of miles away from the pitch are you really going to be able to tell if the base is a little bit bigger no you're not but you are going to be able to spot wherever you're sitting if somebody's giving getting a bit chippy with somebody as they're running around the bases and there's a few hands being pointed and all the rest of it and you can you can you can get into the spirit of the game and enjoy that no matter where you're sitting or if you're watching at home on tv this is a subject I'm sure we can revisit. I'm sure I'm sure Bauer's not going to. We're not going to be short of material while ever he's playing, and particularly while ever he's playing well and is, as you say, giving it out and um, and and taking it back. Long may it continue. Well, I think that brings us to the end of of this week's podcast. Oh no, there's a hand going up, Ian. Go for <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not sure if we covered the, uh, the the UK friendly time games for for this week. Um, so we've got uh, Wednesday 9 10 p.m. Um, we've got uh, against the Reds that, that that's on uh, and next Sunday um, against the Brewers at 7 10 p.m. and for those people who don't have ML uh, an MLB TV subscription um, although it's on at 1 10 a.m. Uh, the game on Friday uh, uh, away at the Brewers uh, is the MLB TV free game of the day. So a chance to watch Dodger baseball without needing to pay through the nose for it. Just thought uh, they were worth mentioning for anybody who... Absolutely, wants. yeah. Well, the, the Friday one in particular, because there'll be no doubt a few people staying up late watching the NFL draft at that time as well. So you can have the draft on one screen and Dodgers baseball on the other, and it makes for a, a perfect late night, early morning. Excellent. Well, thank you, uh, everybody out there listening. I hope you've enjoyed the pod and um, tune in same time next week for the next one. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.